Father, we ask that you draw us nearer to the cross of Jesus. Father, as we read from Mark about, about a few moments in the life of Jesus, we pray that you would help these not just to be words on the page for us, but to be your living word speaking powerfully into our lives. Lord, help us to hear you. Help us to see Jesus. Lord, help us to accept, to embrace, to celebrate the work of Jesus for us and also to take up our own cross and to follow you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. This year, as we work toward Easter, we are working through the second half of the Gospel of Mark. We're not hitting every single verse, but we're picking up from every single chapter. And today we come to Mark chapter 10. So we're going to read Mark 10 from verse 32 to 52. The words will be on the screen. You're also invited to grab a Bible from the bench and follow along if that would help you hear and reflect on the word more fully. So John 10 from verse 32 to 52 Hear the word of the Lord. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him, Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. So there's this 
this phrase that I've heard every now and then, and you've probably heard it too, open your mouth and close your eyes and you will get a nice surprise. Open your mouth and close your eyes and you will get a nice surprise. And I have never seen anybody say that line with anything but malicious intent. The idea is always that the open mouth becomes a target for someone to put something nasty in there. And what we, what we see over the course of this text is several, several surprises that might, be, that might be really off-putting at first. And some of them are, and some of them maybe are actually good surprises as we reflect on them more. So we're going to talk about this text in terms of four surprises. Some of them we might want to reject Others we might actually want to accept. So first, there's a surprise from Jesus. And Jesus here at the beginning of this text, he he talks about how he's the son of man. And the son of man goes back to Daniel 7, if you want to read that chapter later today. And in Daniel 7, there is this amazing figure, this, this man who is like lightning incarnate, who is like the sun, the sun in the sky come down with, with all the light and the power and the burning majesty of it. The Son of Man, who Jesus identifies as Himself. And so far, so good. But then Jesus goes on, and He pulls a lot of language out of especially Isaiah 53, but really Isaiah 40 to 55, and He presents Himself much like the suffering servant, like this beaten down, lowly one who will come, who will suffer, who will will unjustly be brought to the very, very lowest places. And Jesus, here at the beginning, he, he surprises his disciples, perhaps surprises us by saying, I am the Son of Man, and I am the suffering servant. And, and as far as I can tell, really never before have those two concepts been brought together into one person. Never before. And, and the disciples, as we'll see, they can understand the Son of Man, but they don't understand the suffering servant. They, they don't understand the, the death and resurrection part. And this is the third time in three chapters that Jesus has mentioned that he will die and rise. And the disciples still, they just can't process that part. But I think it's worth asking for us as we come to Jesus. You know, in some places and sometimes in some cultures, people really struggled with the idea that Jesus might be the suffering servant, that, that he might be someone who would have to suffer and die I think our struggle might actually be to accept Jesus as the Son of Man, to accept Jesus as the one who comes with power and authority, who rules over all the world, and who rules over each one of our lives. I suspect for us today, the bigger challenge may actually be accepting a Jesus of power rather than a Jesus of suffering. But here in the text, the disciples, the disciples clearly are struggling with this idea of a suffering servant savior. So as we read through the text, James and John, two of the disciples who have been identified as closest to Jesus, they come to Jesus, and you get the sense they, they pull him a little bit to the side, and, and they give us kind of a kind of a open your mouth and close your eyes, Jesus sort of deal. They say, we want you to promise to give us whatever we want. We won't tell you what it is. Before we tell you what it is, promise to give us whatever we want. And this is another one of those questions that, that you never, ever, ever say yes to, right? Because you will get into endless trouble. But Jesus says, well, what do you want? And notice at this point, Jesus could say, how dare you? 
Or he could say, you want to try that again? Come on. But instead, Jesus just says, what do you want? And what James and John say is, well, promise us that one will sit at the right and one will sit at the left when you come into your kingdom. Give us the seats. Give us the, give us the keys of power. Make us great, Jesus. So there's this, this comic strip called Calvin and Hobbes that is probably my favorite comic strip of all time. And, and Calvin is a hyperactive little boy, maybe seven or eight or nine. And there's one of those comic strips where he comes to his dad with his hands like this and says, Dad... Open your mouth and close your eyes, and you will get a nice surprise. And his father does, but he kind of peeks. And Calvin goes off, Dad, do not even trust your own son. Your eyes are part open. Come on. And his father says, okay, fine, I'll close my eyes. And he closes his eyes and opens his mouth. And Calvin says, oh, wait a minute, it hopped away. (laughs) Oh, Calvin. But you might think Jesus would feel like Calvin's dad at this moment. He has just told his disciples, just told his disciples, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die. And his disciples come along and say, hey, can we have some power? Give us some glory. Come on. The contrast could not be more sharp. And honestly, like as as I've looked through commentaries this week, as I've thought about this, we have no idea what James and John are thinking. No idea. And some people think, well, Peter kind of messed up a couple of chapters ahead of time, and, and Peter, James, and John were the three kind of main disciples, so maybe James and John are doing a power play thing here. Or maybe they think Jesus is going to die, so there's going to be a power vacuum, so maybe, maybe we can get in on that. Or maybe they just haven't been listening to Jesus. They've just been walking along thinking, yeah, Messiah, great stuff. I want some power. What were you saying? I don't know. Anyway, let's ask. We have no clue what James and John are thinking here. Again, Jesus has just said, I'm going to die. And they come and say, hey, give us whatever we want. It's like they don't care. It's like they aren't listening. And a fair amount of commentators, and I think a fair amount of preachers, and a fair amount of just readers over the years have said, man, these guys, what is wrong with them? How can they miss this? But the interesting question, I think, is not not about James and John. It's about you and me. Because we do the same thing to Jesus. He comes to us and he says, I am the mighty son of man. I am am the Lord. The one who reigns over all things. And we say, yeah, that's nice. I'd like a bigger bank account. And we, we hear Jesus come to us and he says, to the disciples he says, I will. To us he says, I have suffered and died for you. I have gone through worse agony than you can ever understand. For you to bring you life and we say yeah that's nice but but i like my sin i like my habits i like my other stuff more i'll be back in a while the question for us is not really why are the disciples so out of touch the question is for us what are we missing about jesus in our lives how are we coming to jesus and and just totally missing out on what he has to give us The second surprise from Jesus, our third surprise is, is, well, for one thing, that Jesus responds to the disciples with grace, but then he comes back to them and he talks about service and about ransom. And he asks, he asks James and John, okay, you want the seats on my right and my left. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? 
Can you be baptized with the baptism I am going to be baptized with? And Greek has different ways of asking questions that we don't really have in English. So there, there's a way you can ask questions where the answer has to be yes. It just has to be yes. You can't respond no to that. And there's another way of asking a question where, where the, question, the answer has to be no. It has to be no. You cannot respond to that question with a yes. And when Jesus asked this question here, he's asking it in a way that demands a negative answer. He's asking the disciples, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? And the way he's asking it, he's actually making a statement. He's saying, guys, you can't handle this. You can't do it. No way ever. And James and John come back with, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Where do I need to sign to get the power? But what Jesus is telling them is that they can't do it. They can't do it. And the cup that he's talking about is not a cup of, a cup of celebration exactly. It's, it's a cup of all the darkness and all the death and all the sin of all of God's people. That, that Jesus is going to take all the guilt and all the punishment for that in that cup and he's going to drink it to the bottom. And the baptism that Jesus is talking about is a descent into the grave. He is talking about, and this is not a metaphor, this is literally dying and experiencing the agonies of hell itself. And Jesus looks at James and John in front of him and says, you guys, you don't know what you're asking for. You can't do this. You can't do it. And then we come to verse 1045, chapter 10, verse 45, which, which is one of the heart, heart verses of the whole gospel of Mark. And what it says there, what Jesus says, is the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we're going to have that as our, our church memory verse for, for the month of March. And it's worth reflecting on. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us. And the word there is intended to, to bring up this picture of, of buying someone out of jail or of buying back a, a ransoming, bringing back a prisoner of war or, or freeing a slave. And Jesus says, I, I did not come to bring the kingdom you expect. I came to be a ransom for you. I came to be a ransom for you. And Jesus then goes on and tells James and John, you will, you will drink from the cup that I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. And, and from what we know of James and John, they certainly suffered and struggled as they followed Jesus the rest of their lives, but they also rejoiced in the opportunity to share in Jesus' cup and his baptism. They were, at the end of things, excited to welcome the Son of Man and the Suffering Servant. And we, this week and next week, we are privileged to, to receive, too, the cup of Christ, this bread and cup that remind us that Jesus broke his body and poured out his blood for us. And next week, we're going to celebrate a baptism. We're going we're to baptize Esther Van Dyke, and we're going to pour some water on her that is going to symbolize that, that like all of God's people, like all of God's people in Christ, we pass through the waters of death and on into new life. But I'm talking a lot about the cross and about death. 
And I think we should ask ourselves, is that a life that we're up for? Because if we really follow Jesus, we will suffer. We will not suffer like Jesus did because his suffering was unique in all of world history. But if we follow Jesus, our lives will be hard. We will pay a tremendous price. Are we up for that? And I think too often we come like James and John and, yeah, 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 that's great. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. And the Lord is gracious in working with us no matter how we come to him. We can come to him like James and John, like we're pulling a nasty surprise. We can, we can be terrible people. And in fact, the Lord welcomes us joyfully. This is part of the good news of the gospel that even, even when we trivialize him, Jesus still comes and gives his life as a ransom for us. This is a hard life that he calls us to, but it's, it's the life that we need. And then we wrap up with, with the story of Bartimaeus' surprise, and he gets the mercy to see. And we could spend a whole separate sermon on this, just as we could with each of these steps, but, but Mark puts Bartimaeus here to help us reflect on what the disciples have been up to and how we are to live. So we've just seen that the disciples just don't understand Jesus. They do not get it. They are asking him for all the wrong things. And then the scene shifts, and, the, and they're walking the Jericho road, and there's this blind man called Bartimaeus by the side of the road, and, and he's sitting there begging, but when he hears Je- that Jesus is going by, he starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the whole crowd, and probably the disciples, are kind of like, hey, quiet down. Come on, this is important. Get out of the way. Quiet down. But Jesus, when he hears Bartimaeus calling, he, he says, bring him. Call him to come to me. Jesus did not come to be served, to lead a victory parade, but, but to serve, to give of his time for those in need. And so in this moment with this blind man, we see Jesus living out what he's just told us. And, and Bartimaeus, when he hears that he can approach Jesus, he comes running up to Jesus. And, and then Jesus asks him, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And, and often when we read this, that question might sound kind of off-putting. I'm blind. What do you think I want? But in the context of Mark chapter 10, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law have come and tried to trap Jesus with difficult questions so, so they can imprison him or discredit him. A rich young ruler has come and has wanted Jesus to bless what he's already up to and say, you're great as you are, you've earned your own salvation, oh, you wonderful person. And James and John, two of his closest disciples, have come to him and said, Jesus, we don't so much want you, we want your power. This is what people have come to Jesus wanting. And now Bartimaeus comes and and what he actually would probably be expected to ask for at that point is money. Jesus, can you give me money? Jesus, can you give me a little more earthly influence? Jesus, can you, can you help a brother out here a little bit? But Bartimaeus, even though he's blind, he sees deeper than that. And instead of asking for, for what would humanly make sense, he asks for what doesn't even seem possible, what seems ridiculous, for, for more than he could ever hope for. And he says, he says teacher, I want to see Teacher, I want to see. And then Jesus says, your faith has healed you. 
And Bartimaeus joins the crowd and he joins the parade and he's, he's running and jumping and dancing along because Jesus has given him sight. And this story is supposed to, supposed to prompt us to think, what are we wanting from Jesus? And you know, there are times, probably most of our times, most of our lives, when we come, when we come to Jesus like James and John, and we say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, all that stuff is nice, all the dying and rising, that's great. Will you give me what I want? And I don't even want to tell you until you promise to give me what I want, but will you give me what I want? We come to Jesus and we ask him to, to close his eyes and open his mouth and speak a blessing on us of whatever we want. So that's one option. But then, but then Jesus comes to us. And Jesus invites us. Jesus invites us to accept what he has to give, which is more than what we could ever ask for. And Jesus... Jesus invites us to open our eyes. To open our eyes and see who He truly is. To open our eyes to see Him as the glorious Son of Man. To see Him as as a person with such blazing power that He could destroy us with a thought. And also to see Him as this great, powerful person. this, This person of the Godhead who came and suffered and died and gave His very life for us. Jesus invites us to see him as the son of man and the suffering servant. And he invites us too to open our mouths. To open our mouths and to receive his body and his blood. To open our mouths to confess that he is our Lord and our Savior. To open our mouths and, and to receive his life as we are drawn into his presence. So I invite you today I invite you today to receive Jesus. Perhaps the greatest surprise, and we've heard this a million times maybe, so we're used to it, but but perhaps the greatest surprise in the history of the universe is that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Today we gather to celebrate the gift of Christ. Today I invite you to open your eyes, open your heart, open your mind, open your hands, open your mouth, and receive the gift of Jesus Christ who gave his body and blood for you. Let's pray. Father, so often we miss it. So often we have our eyes closed when you, when you want to show us the truth. Lord, we ask that today you open our eyes and open our hearts. We confess that even those of us who followed you for dec- who have followed you for decades and decades are so often spiritually blind. But Lord, we want to see Jesus. Help us to see Jesus. Help us to see his work. Help us to, to accept, to grasp, to desperately hold on to the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection for us. And so give us the ability also to live cross-shaped lives as we follow Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.